Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, a show that takes a look at film, technology, pop culture, very spooky shoppable ads, because in the end, everything is an ad. Hello, I'm Shannon Miller, the creative and inclusion editor here at Ad Week. Joining me is a very, very special co-host. We have Jay-Z, or Jess Savaris, director of audience engagement. Hello. Hello, hello, Shannon. So excited to be here. So excited to have you back. I feel like you're just a um, a very established friend of the show, so I never know exactly how to introduce you. It's like, yeah, Jay-Z's back, but I always feel like there's at least one person that's going to be like, who is this? And is the rapper here? So right, right. We have to clarify. <laughs> it's been a minute since I've been on, so I, th- I think the reintroduction is warranted. <laughs> well, thankfully. Uh, so... As you are probably aware, um, typically I'm joined by our community editor, Luz Corona, my lovely, lovely co-host. However, she is missing this and probably the next uh, few episodes for a very good reason. She has had her beautiful baby boy. So congratulations to Luz. We already miss you, but we are so excited to meet your new addition slash um, my new best friend. So congratulations, Luz. Congrats, Luz. I mean, I'm just saying, like, she already had the baby, so she's kind of a slacker for not being here, but, you know. It's deeply unprofessional to have a a child right before you're supposed to record. I agree. But how dare she? We will let let it slide this one time. I guess. Um, And she is actually, um, unfortunately, missing some really, really cool guests. We are joined by... Uh, to fantastic folks, and we will explain why a little bit later. But joining us is Simon Armour, creative director at um, agency Camp Grizzly. Hi, Simon. Hi. How are you? Good, good. We're so happy to have you with us. And joining him is Katie Donnell, lead of New Verticals Marketing at Uber Eats. Hi, Katie. Hi, Shannon. Hi, Jay-Z. Thank you for having Hello. us. Thank you so much for joining us. We um, did not bring you here for um, no reason at all. I had the dis- the distinct pleasure of covering what I think is probably the best Halloween ad of this year. I'm coming from Uber Eats um, called Don't Run Out. And it was a very, very creepy, very creepy, creepy creative endeavor that uh, was meant to uh, uplift or platform Uber Eats convenience offerings. Um, It stars Kiki Palmer. It is, I think, over three and a half minutes of sheer terror. 
Um, but it is so cool for so many reasons. And we want to talk a little bit about how that came together and why that came together. So um, I guess the best place to start is, Katie, can you tell us a little bit about the ad? Yeah. So, you know, over the last few years, you touched on this a little bit, but Uber Eats as a platform has expanded into so much more than just online food delivery. And so with grocery and convenience and alcohol and flowers and retail on the platform, we wanted to showcase convenience in a really unique way this Halloween. And we thought what better way to help people get out and about and create awareness of our convenience offering was to make a candy-led campaign that cut through the noise. And we worked with Camp to develop a one-of-its-kind shoppable horror film in which we rewarded everyone that watched it uh, with about a million dollars worth of promo codes that we hid throughout the film. It is so good. Yeah. I don't think I've ever really seen anything like that. Jay-Z, have you? No, no. The the closest I could possibly come to comparing it would be the bite-sized horror ads that came out a few years ago from Mars. Like Skittles and and a number of other candy brands had these really scary ads that were actually frightening. And generally, you don't see candy and and, um, other brand Halloween ads, like, that actually scare you. They're usually a little more silly. And this one does have some silliness to it, but it's actually frightening. Like, I had to cover my eyes, I turned down the volume a little bit, but it was so much fun. Can you tell us a little bit about how the story was created and and where you got the idea? I can kick it off um, and then would love to hear from Simon as well, because he played a major role in crafting some of the narrative. But from the Uber Eats side, what we really wanted to do is create something truly unique that people enjoyed watching and not just another piece of branded content. And so we wanted to step outside kind of that traditional approach to Halloween, even though we still have some of the tropes like the candy and the folklore. We just wanted to create something that people were excited to watch and that was true to the horror genre. It, it needed to be spooky in order to feel authentic to that, that genre. Yeah. And with that as our kind of brief, we really wanted to make something that was, I think, rewarding for fans of Halloween and fans of the horror genre. So to do that, I think we really thought we need a director who knows the genre really well. Um, and we were aware of, an, you know, that the ad disguised as the satirical horror trailer had been done. So we talked early on about how do we make something that is truly scary um transparently we were like was is uber eats going to be into this are they going to really want to go to that place um and straight away the answer was yes so uh we pushed pushed into that uh very quickly and uh i think the next question was really how can we pull together a team that could really uh pull that off with a you know with a director and with talent that really kind of knows that space So, Simon, I want to talk a little bit about tone, because with advertising, I imagine that there's probably a fine line that you'd want to walk between being, like, too creepy to the point where people may be fearful to watch, because I do not do horror. Um, So uh, you want to be creepy, but obviously watchable. Was there a lot of discussion around, like, striking that balance? Absolutely. We definitely didn't want to get into violence or gore for obvious reasons. We really wanted to um, use the tropes of the genre. Uh, You'll see throughout the film there are a number of things that we're very deliberately trying to cue. And I think that was the way we were thinking about how we could, you know, be relevant to fans of the horror genre just by using those, uh, those tropes. So things like 
the jump scare, the song, um, there's those little moments that um, I think people who really love the genre kind of know from horror films. Gore didn't really have to be the thing um, to do that. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's it's for a brand and um, we felt like there was a way to get that feeling um, whether it's horror or thriller, um, just get that feeling through without kind of going to that place specifically. The, uh, crawling bunny particularly got me. <laughs> that was intense. Um, you mentioned the, uh, the right director. Um, what was it like working with Dan Trachtenberg, who at least in, in my mind is mostly associated with 10 Cloverfield Lane? Yeah, he, Dan was incredible. He was, uh, unwavering in his just goal to make this something really special. He had just come off uh, making Prey. He joked with us early on about um, wanting, you know, having been on set for Prey for a long time um, in remote locations, in the cold, dealing with a lot of special effects and with animals, he really wanted something that was uh, kind of the opposite of that. So Pasadena, warm, and having no animals to direct was very appealing to him. <laughs> and I think, you know, we looked at a number of directors. The the creative team, uh, Tim and Nicole, uh, wrote a great script that got us a lot of uh, interest early on. And we looked at a number of directors. And Dan just rose to the top because of his experience and just, you know, the his body of work that was really uh, very much in the genre and where we wanted to take this piece of work as well. I looking over um, Uber Eats kind of deep bench of talent that they've worked with within their past ads. You really could have gone to um, anybody to star in this film. Why Kiki Palmer? I feel like I could answer this for <laughs> forty minutes on my own, but I would love to hear from your perspective why Kiki Palmer Palmer made the the perfect star here. I think one, we were personal fans of Kiki. Um, you know, she she was in Nope, um, and that obviously did really well at the box office. And we were big fans of that film. Um, and we wanted someone who had just you know more of an unexpected kind of casting to it than um, maybe you know the 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 films that you rewatch around Halloween. We wanted something that was kind of more modern. Um, and felt more interesting, more fresh. Um, and we just loved her performance in Nope, as I said. So we, we felt like she was um, a great fit for it. Absolutely. And like so timely. Um, and she delivered on it. It was incredible. Um, she was the perfect balance of slightly funny, but also quite scary. Yeah. And like when you talk about like your roster of Scream Girls, I don't think like you get to really appreciate how much she can contribute to that. Like in terms of like your girls that could really lead horror. I think Nope kind of helped assist in that a little bit. Um, but I just, this is not about me being a fan of Girl Over <laughs> Kiki Palmer. That's not what this is supposed to be. It's slowly what it's turning into. But I just love that that was another way to kind of put that emphasis on what she could contribute to the horror and thriller space. I just loved it. Yeah, that's we probably agree. a Kiki Palmer fan base. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we agree. I think one of the things too with uh, when you, when doing something that is still you know at its core an ad, uh, you you know based by the name of your show, <laughs> yeah, that's probably an ad. Um, doing an doing an ad, I think sometimes we question whether the talent is going to actually want to act, and they're they're going to really want to go there, and so. 
um, that was, I think, one of the questions we had early on and the, the conversation that Dan led with her was, okay, this is what we're looking to do. Are you really going to want to do this? And she was all in on it. So um, I think that was just uh, a credit to really to Uber Eats and how the Uber Eats team really let us go to that place where we could really make it scary and write something that she truly saw uh, merit in. You know, I think coming off of doing Nope and then going to do you know, three and a half, four minute uh, piece of film for for advertising um, is not typically where you would see kind of A-list talent go. And so we love the fact that she was really into it from from the beginning. Katie, you sounded like you had something to add on that too. I mean, Kiki was a true professional through and through throughout the entire experience. She actually pushed us even on set to go deeper within the horror genre. The performances mm. she was able to pull out at the last minute. Um, a lot of even some of her ad libs are in the final spot. And so she just did a phenomenal job and we're so, so happy with um, how she did. That's so cool. Do you have, do you have an example of one of the, the lines she ad libbed? Um, I believe it was along the lines of the Uber Eats priority delivery wasn't in our oh. original, <laughs> original script. Um, and so what? that came out through That's the like the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's amazing. I love that she was still like brand forward. Like there was a mission. There was Her a clear mission. Her and Dan pulled those through. And, and on the brand side, you know, we were thinking, okay, of course we do need this to be a piece of branded content. Our our brand does need to come through in some way or the other. Um, but even with the director, it's so, it's great from a brand perspective to have the director and talent and everyone else trying to get more hits of your brand, even within a spot. Um, Cause usually that's, that's the hard job of being on a brand side is getting, making sure that your brand is seeable all the way through. No kidding. We have a lot more to dig into, but before we do that, let's take a brief ad break and we'll be right back. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be to be. And we are back and we are chatting with Simon Armour of Camp Grizzly and Katie Donnell of Uber Eats. I want to talk a little bit about um, just the strategy in terms of how we spread out these codes, because I had a hard time when I was trying myself to uh, find them. They were so well hidden um, because the the objective was you were supposed to look visually and audible and listen audibly to the codes. Some of the visuals were um, really great and some of them you were like, okay, I imagine that that's probably a code. I could not figure out 
the the audible ones at all. There are some that I thought were cues, and I mean, so I was like, I, I don't know. This is really, really well hidden. Was there a lot of discussion about how difficult um, you wanted to sort of make that search? <laughs> there was endless conversations about how <laughs> difficult to make these codes. It reminds me, we actually took one of our legal POCs through um, the entire film when we were seeing some of the rough cuts, and she found our hardest code immediately. And so we oh, had wow. so much back and forth about, you know, to make them harder or easier. Of course, we wanted consumers to engage with the content, and so we didn't want to make them too difficult, but we did want people to enjoy the hunt. Um, so we went back and forth, and just given the success of how quickly, you know, the code's um, we're snatched up. I think next year, if we do this again, we'll have to work a little bit harder to make them hidden a bit, a bit more. What was the hardest one? We had a sign in the kitchen that said, live, laugh, love, laugh. And it was quite small. And that one I thought was the hardest for sure. Simon, did you think others were harder? I, I thought that was definitely the hardest. It was more recessive, more in the background. Um, there were some others that were, were definitely subtle, but um, that one was a little bit of out, out of focus as well. So I'd say that was the hardest too. Yeah, that was a good one. Uh, one of my friends did manage to um, score $200 off. So the codes work and they are nice. there. And yeah, um, he said that he was like, I gave it my all. I went through a lot of the codes were... Um, already taken, but the one I the one I hit was the big one, and then I just stopped while I was ahead. But <laughs> what was really cool was he, he he got this code, he used it aggressively, got a lot of snacks um, from one of his local convenience stores. But he has consistently used the convenience option ever since because he was like, I didn't even realize that this was something. This was a store that was available. It was like one of the. Um, newer ones in his area and he's like and now i do and he's like why am i just sticking to restaurant delivery if i can just like grab a quick snack and have it delivered so what has been in terms of like the shopability of the ad katie have you heard a response yet from like just the general public yeah we've seen a great response i think the majority of people have placed their orders already. We've seen a lot of candy orders in the last few days. And I imagine up until the last day, if you're anything like me, it will probably take until Monday morning uh, for everyone to order their candy. Um, but we have seen a lot of success and a great uptick in um, consumers actually placing orders at convenience stores. Because once you find out about that option, it really is hard to ignore it later. There are so many times of the day that you could use, you know, an extra something from your local store. Have all of the codes been found? Yes. All of the codes have oh, been found excellent. in the U.S. and Canada. How many were there total? Do you know? There were over 60,000 um, in the U.S. film and a smaller portion in the Canadian film. So there was a lot to be snatched up and, and we were really excited about how engaged consumers were. And also, like, how many could be found throughout the videos, the video? We had 10 codes throughout the video. 10 codes, okay. That makes sense. Oh, wow. Um, I remember while I was watching, I was, like, writing down potential codes, and I ended up with a list of, like, 50. <laughs> there were a lot of them. <laughs> I was like, there's, there like, words in the background and numbers. Was, mm -hmm. They're everywhere. 
like I was really zeroed in on the audio because I was like, okay, like I don't want to snatch up one of the visual ones because it's going to give me an unfair advantage. I wrote about it. I saw, you know, I saw I'm like, I don't want to do that. But I do want to see if I can catch an audio one because there was one, the guy goes to the refrigerator and he says like, oh, don't act like you're not hungry and thirsty too. And I was like, that's a code. That has to be one. And I tried <laughs> every iteration of that and it did not work for me. And so I was like, these are really, really cleverly hidden. Now that they're all snatched up, can you both safely tell us, like, did you have a favorite um, Easter egg there? Oh, that's a great question. I think my favorite was in the room next to the record player. The props team did a fantastic job creating what looked like a record that had already been out in the world. It was the Neil Bog Mm -hmm. 3, and that was a really fun (laughs) one for us to find. Oh, that was cool. What about you, Simon? I think this made the final cut. I could be wrong, but one of my favorites was on the record itself. Uh, Yogi, uh, I that was a trick. was a code. That one was a trick, and not a tree. That was a trick, yeah. So, that, so that's one of the things we talked about too was um, making it more searchable by having tricks and treats in there. And so some of them were, um, I've also been tricked by our own, uh, our own codes. Um, yeah. Having, having both in there to, for people to, to try and see what does work and what doesn't work. Just like the experience of obviously trick and treating. How long did it take to pull this all together? Cause you had to like, you had to make custom props. You had to work, like figure out the storyline, how you were going to fold in the interactivity, come up with the codes, set them up and then, you know, film and everything too. So how long did this take to do? Simon, should we tell them? <laughs> the, so <laughs> like three years. The, I think this is a testament to the incredible team, um, both on the Uber Eats side and just all of the different vendors and partners that we worked with. Um, that camp was was able to help. But, you know, we decided all held hands and decided to move forward with this idea the first week of September. So no way it was, it was a sprint, um, to get this all done and and we're thrilled with how it's, how it's performed. But I would say a little less than three weeks until we were shooting. And then what was it a week and a half for finishing and then launch the stress lump that just developed in my stomach when you <laughs> said I was certain it would be like a year. Like it was like, oh, we took our time, but <laughs> like this come together in mere weeks. We we had a blast. <laughs> we all aged. Uh, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. I think it's one of those situations too where. I think we all saw the potential, um, both, you know, Uber Eats and Camp as a team, and we knew what uh, could come of it. And so we just, we've worked with Uber Eats for a while now, and we just have a really, really good shorthand with them. They're very trusting of us. And I think that relationship is really testament to what we'll be able, what we were able to do within the time. And we just, we got in there, we, it was dirty and messy and a lot of fun. I think that's an incredible testament to how much a relationship matters in in the end work. Like the you get a lot of testimonies and from uh, agencies and brands about how you know key it is to work together, but you really don't understand like how vital it is for that relationship to be healthy and fruitful 
until you decide we're going to put together a short film starring Kiki Palmer in three weeks. That is probably a one of the most ambitious tests of a relationship that I've heard in a little bit. And super impressive because that, if anyone had told me we need to do this in three weeks, I'm like, oh, well, you guys have fun. <laughs> I, Same. I, I will not be participating. <laughs> it's a testament to just how great the idea was too. I think in my experience, you know, probably Simon and I have both thrown together campaigns in really short periods of time, but this was one where we all felt blessed because everyone was fully bought in. They saw, again, like Simon said, the potential of what this could be. And we were all so excited to watch it come to life and were determined to make sure it got out on time. Absolutely. The work really attracted great people to it. The, you know, from Dan and Great Guns, the production company who, you know, shout out to Great Guns, they, they did an incredible job to just make it all happen. And uh, Dan and then Kiki and even the other talent, like everyone was really excited to be a part of it. So I used to write a lot. I, I've written for um, writing publications before and I used to uh, write a lot about high concept. And this is the first ad that I would actually like actively call a high concept advertise- advertisement where it um, it takes a cool key concept or two and then twists it and then adds interactivity. That's just so, so impressive. Yeah, we had uh, the creatives on the the team are both big, I mean, huge horror nerds, and they uh, really, like, understood the genre. And I think there was a mix of us across the Uber Eats and camp team of (laughs) varying love for horror. Some of us, I think, were like, we don't really want to watch horror, and other of us were like, we could watch horror all day long. So I think having that spectrum of um, people with interest in the genre also allowed us to really think about uh, where this was landing and was it was it hitting in the right way in terms of the scariness and in terms of the tropes that we were using. Uh, was it going to have mass appeal to just, you know, people who wanted to participate in Halloween and was it also going to have more of that kind of uh, core horror fan appeal as well? Were there any particular shows or movies that uh, provided the creative inspiration for the story? I would say just folklore in general. And Simon, if you want to chat through that, but the folklore at the center of this was really reminiscent to, you know, saying Red Rum or um, Bloody Murder in the Mirror three times. It just felt really comfortable and it felt like something that was already out in the ether already is this idea that if you run out of candy on Halloween night, these candy snatchers will come and get you. And I think once that was identified, the the rest of it really came into play. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. The urban, the urban legend, I think, uh, really crystallized the narrative for us. And, you know, we didn't have a lot of time to tell, to, to introduce the characters, establish their kind of emotional states, and then get into the craziness of that, you know, ultimate consequence of running out of candy. And so we, while we pulled from a number of kind of classic films and, you know, those tropes from those films, the, the urban legend was kind of the, the glue for us. Something that I thought of while um, viewing this ad, and this is my final question, is that there, it feels like there is a next frontier in terms of Halloween advertising. I think there was a little bit of time where it was kind of like in a weird like stasis, obviously because of the pandemic, we weren't necessarily encouraging people to like head out of their homes. But I feel like there were years where 
Halloween advertising was super creative. And then there was a little bit of like a purgatory period where we were just kind of like waiting for the next cool thing. And I really want to hear from all three of you on this. What do you feel is like the next frontier of Halloween advertising? Like what would you like to see more of um, this time next year? We'll start with you, Jay-Z. Ooh, that's a great question. Um, I love seeing like full production, like actual scary stories. Um, I know not everyone's into horror, but I really appreciate it. And then if you can fold in a little bit of humor like this ad did, I love that as well. One of my other favorites from this year, um, there was there were some very good ones this year. Um, my two favorites, I think, were probably, aside from this one, um, Toby the Vegetarian Vampire from Heinz, which was very cute and funny. Not scary at all, but funny. had sort of the um, oh, what we do in the shadows vibes. Um, and the other one, it, it's playing off of a meme and then became kind of its own meme. Um, Skittles had this series of like scary Halloween costume ideas and they were like, your relative who got into multi-level marketing or um, middle management <laughs> who's sad about his job and they're like actually giving away the costumes in a in a package. So I also, I like seeing um, ads. Uh, first of all, the, the Toby, the vegetarian vampire was also a TikTok star and then Skittles did this on TikTok as well. So I like seeing these extend to other platforms and Halloween sort of infusing um, cross-platform advertising. I love that. What about you, Katie? I would say what I'm really excited about is now that people are out and about trick-or-treating again, I think there's a really big opportunity for some fun out-of-home executions that we haven't seen in a mm. few years. I always go back to sometimes the simplest ideas are the best. And I think about how iconic that Reese's vending machine was where people could turn in all of their Halloween candy and get exactly what they wanted, which was Reese's. Um, And while, you know, this year that's not the approach we took, I am excited to see people just step out of the box a little bit um, and do some really innovative work and creative work around the holiday. It's such a fun one. I know. And Simon. Yeah, we actually, uh, jumping back into our concepting, we had a, another idea that didn't kind of make it into the, the Uber Eats deck uh, when we presented, which was a candy bowl that never runs out. And uh, it, was, it was a tech idea. So the tech would essentially, you know, the level of the candy bowl would get to a certain point. The tech would trigger an Uber Eats order from your bowl and then Uber Eats would turn up timely and make sure that the bowl still stays full. Um, Katie's probably hearing <laughs> this for the first time. Uh, we So I think, I think ideas that, you know, bring in real world ideas that bring in some tech um, and just truly meet like a consumer need in the moment are really interesting to me. KitKat did something similar to the never-ending candy bowl, but it was, like, actually a robot candy bowl that filled up. <laughs> I, I did see that, yeah. It's it's one of those things when an idea is in the ether, it get, it's very quickly made. It's true. I, I love this idea that, like, the dream is just, like, preposterous amount of candy. For one. <laughs> like, where, where does it end? But I, I love that. I do um, – I'm. it does make me excited to – see what comes about next year and you know not to put any pressure on you guys but you kind of set a high bar for yourselves <laughs> like that's kind of the big thing do you feel are you already kind of like feeling that pressure for next year or are you still just kind of like really appreciating the high of this year still appreciating the high of this year but i do think we've set a stamp at uber just in general to to go big on halloween so excited to see what we do next year too 
All right. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Oh, I was going to say, it, this was not actually uh, Uber's first foray into Halloween. Last year, uh, we did a thing called Famous Rides, which brought some iconic Hollow- uh, Hollywood cars onto the app um, for the ride side of the business. Um, and that was really successful. So um, I think Uber Uber Eats is kind of, um, you know, they've got two under their belt now and developing a little bit of a reputation for um, doing great things on Halloween. Was the mystery machine a part of that? Yes, it was. Oh, that's I so cool. I do distinctly remember that. I remember that jealousy very acutely because I was like, why not Clearwater, Florida? There was a SpongeBob uh, burger car as well that was uh, made from scratch and it evoked very visceral reactions <laughs> from people on the street. They were very excited Love about it. it. Oh. Growing, growing men were reacting very viscerally. You know it's a hit when you know it's a hit when when grown men definitely get excited. So I'm really um, grateful that you were able to hop on our show and talk a little bit more in depth about this really really cool piece of work. I am very excited to see what comes um, from this relationship next year, and you know if that means that I am you know, scared out of my wits a little, a little bit more. That's fine. Uh, but this was just a really, really cool piece of creative. So thank you for sharing with us. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, absolutely. Please come back And Jay-Z. Thank you for stepping in in my time of need. Literally always anything for you and Luz. Oh, and again, shout out to Luz. Shout out to that beautiful baby boy. And shout out to little Leo for being a big brother. What a lovely, lovely time. And for those of you at home, please, please, if you're going out to celebrate, please have an incredibly safe Halloween. Thank you for listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by me, Al Manorino, executive produced by Chris Ahrens and John Heil, and edited by Lane McGivney at Boutwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all of Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcast. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Thanks for listening. 